Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus is central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Believe in the Ravens podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Bo Smolko, along with my co-host, former Ravens tight end, Daniel Wilcox. And today we'll be looking back on the Ravens' 24-22 loss at Cleveland. Lamar Jackson gets hurt in the game and Tyler Huntley brings the Ravens almost all the way back. They get an onside kick and then they are stopped on fourth down. It would have probably it would have been the most improbable win in a season full of them. But let's first talk about Lamar Jackson. Of course, in a season in which so many players have gotten hurt, it almost feels inevitable that Lamar Jackson would ultimately go down. Now, he didn't go down on a running play. So many people are talking about the risk of him getting injured running. He was just throwing a pass and got tackled, rolled his ankle, and now they will follow him over the course of the week to see what you know how it progresses. John Harbaugh said on Monday that they hoped that Jackson would be available to play against Green Bay. I'll say this. If there's any question, they should sit him for the Green Bay game and try to get him fully healthy for the Bengals game in two weeks because that is a huge game, and they can, can ill afford to have Lamar Jackson suffer a setback against Green Bay and then not be available for the Bengals game because, of course, they cannot afford to get swept by the Bengals should there be any tiebreakers. But let's talk Daniel Wilcox about Tyler Huntley. I mean, every team has a backup, and we've talked, you and I have talked before about how every backup needs to be prepared to go in at any point. And here, look, Tyler Huntley has to come in with no preparation, right? When he started against the Bears, at least he knew he would be playing. He might have not known for more than an hour, but he knew he would be playing. In this game, Tyler Huntley had no idea he would be playing until Lamar Jackson gets hurt. Tyler Huntley showed a lot of good. He showed poise, which the Ravens have always liked about him. He made some really nice throws to uh, Rashad Bateman specifically. And he, uh, and he showed the kind of running ability that you have often said. He's, he looks so much like Lamar Jackson running the ball. There was also some bad. He had two fumbles. One was returned for a touchdown. Coaches continue to express confidence in Tyler Huntley. They think they can win with him. And, and frankly, you're not going to have a backup quarterback that you don't think you can win with. Huntley's final numbers, he was 27 for 38, 270 yards and a touchdown. You've now seen Tyler Huntley play two games, Daniel Wilcox, the full start against the Bears and this three quarters against the Browns. What did you see from him in this game? And do you agree with the coaches that you have the confidence that they can win with him? 
Absolutely. Tyler Huntley is a, is definitely a star athlete in this league, and he's going to be a starter on somebody's team in the near future. I mean, the kid has a bright future in the NFL. And um, as far as they, whether or not they can win with him or not, I think he's already proven himself that he can be a starter, he can be a player, and he can be a game changer in this league. Um, the thing that I think I like most about him is that when he first got in the game, you could tell he wasn't prepared. You could tell he was a little bit rattled. You could tell it, the, the moment was almost too big at the moment. You know, he he just wasn't really ready to go. But then he settled down like immediately, like the second the second um, possession or the third possession. You see him like literally start to settle down. You know, he had some things not go his way early on too as well. Of course, the fumble and stuff like that getting hit from behind and um, the, the the throw where he got the ball knocked out of the hand by Garrett and Garrett picked it up and scored, you know. So, I mean, he had some bad things happen, but he bounced back. He had amnesia really, really quick. He came back with, with showed poise, made some big, big throws down the stretch. Um, and he just did a phenomenal job, man. You know, he, a backup in this league is a starter, you know. So the only problem is you can't – you're going to call it 11 guys for starters, right? You know, but you don't bring in guys that you think can't start for you. You only bring in guys that you think can start for you. So even if my starter goes down, I don't lose anything with the guy comes in off the bench. You know, it's like the Golden State Warriors, right? You know, you get out there and you start shooting around and every, next thing you know, Steph Curry goes down and you got a guy coming off the bench. He likes it up, too. You know, and that's what it's supposed to be like. You know, your bench players are not supposed to be guys that you would consider backups. They're the guys that you would pick first on the playground, you know. And um, I love seeing I love seeing Huntley come in and play the way that he played. I think he played phenomenal. He gave his team a chance to win the game at the end of the game. And at the end of the day, that's all you can really ask. Put me in position to win, coach. Well, that's exactly right. And if you look at that second half, the Browns got shut out in the second half. And we'll get to the defensive effort in a minute. But again, they were down 24 to 3. Huntley leads them to two scoring drives, two touchdown drives in the fourth quarter. And, of course, he made a couple huge fourth down conversion throws, one to Mark Andrews and a gorgeous one to Rashad Bateman. I've been saying, I've been beating the Bateman drum for a while, and I couldn't figure out why in Pittsburgh they didn't look to Bateman at all. He had one target in that game, and actually it wasn't even thrown to him. It was a pass intended for Devontae Freeman. But it's the same thing I used to say about Duvernay. It just seems good things happen when you look Bateman's way. And I know on fourth down, they tried to get him on a slant. It was a hot read. They, they hit him on the slant. It's kind of play, quite frankly. I think they should be th- throwing more. Give Denzel Ward credit. He made a great play to stop him right at the point where he caught the ball. And, and I know some people are arguing, why do you throw past two yards on fourth and six? They were coming hard, and Huntley had to get rid of the ball quickly, and, and Bateman was his read, and, and Ward made a good play on him, so that was that. But again, it comes down to what I've heard from players, I've heard from coaches about Tyler Huntley is he just has poise, and you're right, the game was not too big for him. He settled into it even after the fumble in, that was returned for a touchdown that I think made it 24-3. to He relaxed, and he stayed in the game, and, and as you said, in the second half, he gave them a chance to win. And we saw that, I think it was 18-yard touchdown, 18-yard uh, run from him that really he ran about 45 yards on it. He looked so much like Lamar Jackson on that play. <laughs> and that's the kind of thing that he also gives this team. I mean, he's, he's a dynamic athlete. So we will see this week if he has to replace Lamar Jackson for one game, for more than one game. We won't know until they see how Lamar Jackson's ankle, you know, improves over the course of the next few days. John Harbaugh did say it's not a high ankle sprain, which is usually a longer-term injury than a lower ankle sprain. So that was optimistic, and so we'll see. I don't expect to see much of Lamar Jackson practicing this week, but we will see if he is on the field. And if not, it'll be Huntley again. And as we said, we think he has shown well enough to win in this league. Okay, now, 
I want to talk to you about tight ends. You were a tight end, Daniel Wilcox. I am a tight end, Bo Smoker. You are always a tight end. Will be and always will be a tight end. I got it. All right. <clears throat> so Mark Andrews finishes with 115 yards receiving in this game against the Browns. He broke Todd Heap's single-season uh, Ravens record for yardage by a tight end. He now has 926. On the play that he broke it, it was that rumble down the sideline where he dragged about four Browns defenders with him. And then he also had a huge fourth down conversion. He caught a touchdown late in the game. You played with Todd Heap, uh, Daniel Wilcox. Is Mark Andrews on his way to being the best tight end in Ravens history? I mean, right now, he's definitely on track. I mean, he's not the best right now, but he definitely has the potential to be that, man. The guy's phenomenal. He's smart. He's savvy. He's smooth. Um, He has so many different levels to his game, you know, that makes him really dynamic, man. He's an interesting guy to watch. And I remember watching that one play you was talking about, the rumble down the sideline. I just listened to the announcers at the game. Oh, my God, this guy's a beast. And I was like, yeah, okay. It's, it's, it's so funny because – at some point of time, no matter what game it is, no matter who's playing, who's watching, you know, everybody's a fan, right? And to see the announcer, Mark Andrews turned the announcer into a fan, you know, and it made me made me really, really, really happy to see that, you know. But um, I think I think he really is a special, special player. I, th- I really do. I think he has the size. He has a very unique size. He has deceptive speed. You know, you knew Ty he, Heat was a, a four or five guy. Um, when you see Mark, you know, his, his speed is so deceptive. And I think people, it's always weird. It's like the best the best tight ends I've ever seen play. It's almost like people forget they're on the field. It's like they're, they're, they're ghosts, right? It's like you, you watch them, you watch the Shannon Sharps, and you're like, well, how in the heck does Shannon get that wide open? And then you watch Tony Gonzalez, and you, you're freaking out. Like, how in the world do you leave Tony, Gun- Tony Gonzalez that open, you know? And then you see Mark Andrews. It's like, how you cover everybody on the field except Mark Andrews? Like, come on, dude. And he's he has that ability, man. It just, you know, for some reason, people just seem to sleep on him. And, and it's, it's not like they're sleeping on him on purpose now. They know that he's the number one target for the Baltimore Ravens. And for some reason, you see Tyler Huntley hit him on that on that ball. It was a hot throw. He kind of led him a little bit too far, trying to get the ball out of his hands quick. And Mark Dole for it and called it for the first down. And he was wide open. Everybody else was bumping run. And Mark Andrews running wide open right in the middle of the field. It's so crazy. Um, if, if he hit him in stride, he may run for another 15, 20 yards. He's blessed, and he's going to be blessed for a long time. He's blessed with the type of quarterbacks that look that look up the tight end first and try to get the ball to him first. And the offense that's kind of centered around the tight end position, he's he's basically put in all the right positions to be great. And don't forget that Todd Heat had Kyle Bowler. I mean, I'm not just saying that, you know, Kyle Bowler is Kyle Bowler, but I'm just saying, I'm just, you know, he, he didn't have a, a Huntley and a Jackson throwing the ball to him from day one and getting him opportunities that, you know, extending plays for him, getting, you know, it's, it's, it's a different, it's a different era in the Baltimore offense right now. And it's, it's fun to watch, man. It really is. And, you know, with all the injuries and stuff that we have and, and many guys as we have down right now, and it's, it's a scary thought to even think that we're still this good. Right. And and you can say we're that good, but you, you leave out of there heartbroken every week when you lose and you take an L and the last two weeks you lose by like what total of three points or four points or something like that. And that, that hurts, man. That hurts more than getting blowed out. You know, like, man, it was so close. We was right there. And and these these games come down to these split seconds decisions at the end where the coach have to make these crucial decisions. And and you're going to either 
you're going to either be brave and, you know, call the brave play or you're going to be cowardly. And then you're going to let your tail tuck between your legs and, and take the easy way out. And we're continuously taking the, the, the brave way. I think, I think we're going at, I think we're being, my, my, my motto in football is always attack, always attack. So I don't give, I don't care what the situation is. You attack your opponent. And I think that's exactly what we're doing right now. I think we're trying to be aggressive in spite of all the shortcomings we've had this year. We're not tucking our heads or ducking our heads down saying, whoa, it's me. Whoa, it's us, man. We can't get a break. We, we, we are fighting to the end of every single game. And it's coming down to that last inch, that last play call, that last field goal, whatever it may be. And we're doing everything we can to try to bring that W home to Baltimore. And, and I hope the fans understand and I hope they see it. Now, it's a good point. They definitely, there's no quit in them. There's no quit in them at all. They have come from behind to win five games in the fourth quarter. It was nearly a sixth at Cleveland, which would have been the most improbable one of all. You talk about Mark Andrews, and I remember, and and you mentioned a tight end friendly offense. I remember the night Mark Andrews was drafted. Remember, he was not the first, he wasn't even the first tight end drafted by the Ravens that year. They drafted Hayden Hurst in the first round. And when Mark Andrews was drafted, he said, look, he knew they had already taken Hayden Hurst. He knew they were already taking another tight end. But he said, look, this is an offense that loves tight ends. I look forward to coming in there and making a difference. And obviously he has, and he's become, you're right, he's on trajectory to the best uh, tight end they've ever had. And time will see whether that happens, but he was rewarded with a contract extension. It was well-deserved, and he is certainly the central part of this offense. And I agree with you. Every time I see a play like that, play you mentioned, I look at that and I think, how can a team leave Mark Andrews open? How does a guy, how does, why do, how do they not have three guys pasted on Mark Andrews on every play? But to his credit, part of it is him working to get open and finding the, finding the spot that where he will be open. And a lot of that goes to his route running and his sense of the defense. And I think he should get a lot of credit for that. But I am always amazed that he ever gets open and he gets open a lot. Okay, let's talk something else about this offense, and it's a problem, and that's the tackle position. Uh, We saw a touchdown return by Miles Garrett after he beat Villanueva and got to uh, Tyler Huntley. It was a fumble, return for touchdown. Villanueva on the left side. They've had Tyree Phillips playing on the right side at right tackle. Now, to Phillips' defense, they expect when they drafted him, he was a right tackle in college, but when they drafted him, they expected him to be a guard in the NFL. He's playing tackle now because Patrick McCarry is hurt. And that's all been a domino effect. Patrick McCarry wasn't even supposed to be a tackle. He was playing tackle because Ronnie Stanley was hurt. So it's been this domino effect at tackle. But let's face it, the tackle position has been a huge problem. They had four four holding penalties. They've been consistently beaten by pressure. And and in this game specifically at Cleveland, I think not having Patrick Ricard, who was out with a knee injury, not having Nick Boyle, who blocking tight end, that really hurt them because we've talked before Daniel Wilcox about the how important it is to have those guys help chip defensive ends and Ricard is a 300 pound guy who can create a lot of interference that way what can they do at this tackle position I mean they're, they're not trading for anyone they're not drafting one in the next month but they have a month of which they need to win some games what can they do at this tackle position or how can they change the offense or call plays so vulnerabilities at tackle are not exposed the way they have been? Bo, that's probably the the most dynamic question of the year right there, man. Uh, where's Jonathan Ogden when you need him, right? Um, I mean, this is a position that the Ravens have never really had problems at, you know, and all of a sudden now you get to this point of your career, this point of the season and then it's your major issue, you know, and this even this point of the franchise, like it's, it's your major issue. 
like having a tackle problem. And it's so hard. That's such a, a, a dynamic and hard position to play. It's not an easy position. You got hybrid type guys coming off the edge every week, weekend and week out. Some are small, some are tall and long. Some got long arms and they can keep you away from them. And others are so get so low to the ground that you can't get low enough to, you know, to block them. And um, it's, it's so it's such a hard position to play. You play against speed guys, strong guys, you know, bull rush guys, you know, guys that are finesse guys, that guys that can run around you. You blink your eye, they gone split second, you know. So it's such a hard position to play. And you got to be one of the best athletes on the field to play that position. And then you got to protect your quarterback. Your quarterback can't see that blind side all the time. So um, the, 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 the dynamics of what we have going on right now, the tackle position, is kind of disheartening, you know, this late in the season, uh, it's nothing you can really do about it. I mean, you, you can go, you can try to overload your line, maybe, you know, go tackle over, you know, bring a tackle over to the other side. Now you got two tackles on one side and a tight end outside of him. And, you know, but then you leave the steel, you leave the short side vulnerable. You got to put a tight end on the back side or something to try to, you know, now block off the edge with a miles Garrett or, you know, somebody like that coming off the edge. I mean, you don't want those problems, man. It's, it's really, it's really, really extreme. The Ravens have all the worst problems you could possibly have on an NFL football team. None of your starting running backs, none of your big backs. You know, all your, all the guys with size are all out. You know, your Ricards, you know, your Gus Edwards. You know, everybody is freaking out. You know, you don't have no running back that people are just afraid to come see you play right now, week in and week out. And they know Devontae Freeman could be a threat. You know, but he's not a downhill, straight downhill power back. So, you know, you're only going to try to get him onto the edges. So they know they got to take out your outside zones and your sweeps and stuff like that, you know, to try to eliminate his his success. You know, so having him run between the tackles is not the ideal situation. So we're in a predicament where it's kind of easy to kind of game plan us on 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 offense. You know, you take you stop the quarterback from being able to, to be dynamic when they get ready to hand the ball off force them to hand the ball off to the running back almost, you know, um, and then you then tackle the quarterback, you know, tackle the running back, tackle the quarterback, and, and then just take out Mark Andrews, you know. Um, the best thing that the Ravens have, I think, going for them right now is, is the thing that they're not utilizing the most, and those are the receivers they have on the outside. I think this may be the best overall receiving core that the Ravens have ever had in the history of the franchise, and that's saying a lot, but I mean, when you look at you know, Hollywood Brown, you know, I think he can catch a two-yard pass and take it a distance. You know, you got James Prochet, who's not been used at all, you know, and I think he has probably some of the best hands in the entire NFL, and people haven't even had a chance to see it yet. You know, Bateman has done a phenomenal job, and he has just the sneaky, the sneakiest separation game I've ever seen. It's like you're right there, the ball is in the air, and, and and a lot of times you equate it to the quarterback throwing a guy open. It's almost like he's baiting DBs, you know, and, and throw, the, throw the ball and I'm going to go get it, you know. And and he just comes up – he comes away with the ball no matter what. You know, you got Duvernay who, like you said earlier, you know, he touches the ball and all of a sudden it's like some special happens. You get the ball in these hands four or five – in these guys' hands four or five times a game each, and I think some magical stuff will happen. You just got to figure out a way to be able to buy them some time with everybody decide to go rush city against us. You know, um, you got to figure out a way to buy some time. You know, how do you buy time with no line and no running backs? You know, I, I don't know. Like you, you got to be beyond a genius. You know, you got to be beyond something as a coach to try to figure this thing out, man. Because 
you you would think you all right, if we just you know put big bodies on the field and run the ball, run the ball, leave two receivers on the field, and we did that one time when I was there. You know, we just had Derek Mason was the only person going out on routes, and we would load the box up and then we would just run the ball down your freaking throat. You know, but we had big backs. We had Willis McGahee. We had you know Leron McClain. You know, we had Jamal Lewis. Those type guys. You know, and they was always healthy. It seemed like they was never down. I remember, I can't remember a season playing where all my running backs were hurt, you know, and then your big fullback, your Patrick, your Patrick Ricards is hurt, you know, like, uh, I don't know. Like, what do you do right now, Bo? Like, I, I'm sitting here thinking, like, if I was, I guess if I was playing this game right now, the 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 most talented position on my field is wide receiver right now. I would have to spread them out and go five, four wides, four wides or five wides, right? Put all of my talented guys on the field, go five wides, go to the shotgun, but I need time to be able to get them the ball, right? And then all your O-linemen are hurt, you know? So it's like, in my in my perfect coaching mind, I'm going five wides, spread them out, let the, let the quarterback throw hitches, slants, whatever they can throw. And then when the defense starts jumping the hitches and slants and I pump it and I throw deep, you know, I, I bait them into coming up and then I throw over their heads. But you got to have time to do any of this stuff, right? You know, so I, maybe that's the answer. Go five wide, Bo. Well, we'll see. I mean, you know, I will say in that in that Dolphins game when the uh, the Dolphins were really the first team that really went with that relentless attack of the uh, on the blitz. And when the, in that game, when the Ravens went when they attacked, the Ravens tried to do some of these wide receiver screens. But to the Dolphins credit, they tackled and, and, and they couldn't get any yardage mm-hmm. after those short catches. I think it's a great point you bring up this idea that throw these two, throw these three yard passes. And then suddenly you fake that to Marquise Brown and he takes off and you've got him by, you know, downfield. I Huntley had Marquise Brown once, at least once in that game, and he just overthrew him a little bit. But again, for anything developed deep, you got to have time to throw. And that's been the biggest problem right now is having the time to throw. But there's no new players coming in. Jawan James, I'll point out, from you know they they signed him after the, after Denver cut him with a ruptured Achilles tendon. Jawan James is practicing with the team again, so there's a chance he could play by the end of the year. It's still I think unlikely he might play, but it's not like he's the savior. He's not Jonathan Ogden walking in coming off an Achilles tear um, less than a year ago. So. This is the line they have. They might get Patrick McCurry back in a week or two, and that would help. But buying time and and without, in the absence of time, coming up with some short throws, I agree with you. I think this is the best wide receiver group they've had, if not ever, certainly in a while, once you add Bateman. You've, look, you've got Marquise Brown's first-round draft pick. Rashad Bateman's a first-round draft pick. Sammy Watkins was a free agent who we, you didn't mention, but he's been hurt. So, um, and he looks like he might be hurt again. Devin Duvernay is a guy who can make, and as you said, James Prochet, we saw all, all camp how how good his hands were, but he hasn't he hasn't figured in the rotation yet for whatever reason. But it's a good receiver group, and it it it, it seems that getting them more involved and maybe and maybe spreading them out gives Tyler Hundley or Lamar Jackson more room to run. Of course, that begs the question of how much. Lamar Jackson will try to run if his ankle isn't 100%, but that will be for another day to discuss. All right, let's talk about this Ravens defense because it, to me, it is amazing that defense that was missing Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters and Calais Campbell, who got hurt in the early in that game, this defense shut out the Browns in the second half, which I think says a lot about the defense. And frankly, I think it says a lot about the Browns. But it was a really good effort from this defense. Without Humphrey, we wondered what they would do. Chris Westry started in his place. There were four penalties called on that Ravens secondary in the first half, and you could tell the the, the Browns were attacking. I think a couple of the penalties were questionable. 
Chris Westry got called for a pass interference where it looked like he was playing position exactly as he should play it. What did you see from that defensive effort against Cleveland? Well, I, I felt like the Westry penalty was like, I, I don't know, home field advantage, I guess, for Cleveland. It was the weirdest penalty I've ever seen. I mean, he played it. He was he was in phase the way he was supposed to be in phase as a DB. He looked back for the ball pretty much the entire time the ball was in the air. Um, what he didn't do was allow Landry to kind of come back to the ball. But what DB is supposed to let a receiver go back to the ball? He was in perfect position to make the interception. He even got one hand on the ball. You know, that could have been a pick. So I felt like it was a phenomenal play by Westry. And I think he – I don't know how you could teach a guy to play it any better. I think when they get to the meeting room, the coach going to be like – he gonna be frustrated. Like I'm trying to figure out like what you could have done to do this any better. I'm gonna submit this to the league. I think this is a horse crap call. And he's probably gonna throw something at the, at the wall or something and turn the desk over because he's just he can't buy a break, right? You know, the Baltimore Ravens with a black sheep of the whole league. But I think the defense, the defense put together, and I think the defense put together a phenomenal effort. You know, they gave up, yeah, you know, gave up 24 points. You want to keep them underneath 21 at the end of the day, right? Um, they gave up 24. They shut them down the second half. They gave the offense a chance to get the ball back. They put the ball back in their hands. Even Everett came up with an interception where we've been dying to see that, you know, the last couple of, you know, episodes we've had. But we talked about those picks, how important they are in the turnovers, the turnover game, how important that is for us, man. And we have to get more turnovers, period. End of the story, we got to get more turnovers on defense. Um, but the defense played phenomenal. They played phenomenal. They shut the Browns down the second half. And that's what you want to see. You want to you want to give your offense a chance to make plays and a chance to have the ball in their hand and a chance to win that time possession battle. That's so important. And I think they put the the, the offense in in a, in a position to be successful. You know, was the offense successful? Heck, yes, they were. They found a way to be successful. They found a way to put points on the board. You know, we just got to figure out a way to get more points than the other team. That's the that's the that's the way we play the game, right? We play to win the game. That's what Herm Edwards said, right? We play to win the freaking game. The game was a great game. I think the fans were entertained, you know, um, and, and the guys played their butts off. At the end of the day, we lost, and it sucks. It sucks that we lost and and um, get ready for the next team. Well, you mentioned, the, in fact, the defense actually really only got 17 points because, remember, seven were scored by Miles Garrett on defense. Right. So yeah, the Ravens' right. defense didn't even give up 20 points. They really effectively gave up 17 Okay, speaking of points, there's so much discussion again about John Harbaugh and the decision to go for two. Now, let's put the situation here. They score to make it 24 to 15. They're about eight minutes left. They're down nine, pending the extra point. John Harbaugh goes for two at that point. He misses, so now they're still down nine. Uh, if he had kicked the extra point, they would have been down eight, and which leaves them to one score. I will just say I was on record at the time. I, I was totally in favor of John Harbaugh going for two to win that game at Pittsburgh. I wanted, I would have preferred to kick the extra point and go down eight at Cleveland. Now I will say John Harbaugh had a, had a very good explanation for, he said, look, we're going to try for two. If we don't get it, we know we're down nine and we need to score twice. If we wait, if we kick it now when we're down eight and we don't get the two point conversion at the end of the game, it's over. We've lost. I totally believe the logic. I get the logic. My argument is this. There's only eight minutes left in the game. You're probably only going to have two more possessions. Um, you may not even get two more possessions. So why would you create a situation where you need to score on two more possessions? I would rather be in a situation 
where you have to score, you only have to score on one more possession. Granted, you still have to execute a two-point conversion. And maybe the discussion should be why now in two straight weeks, the Ravens have not been able to convert a two-point play. I mean, that's the, in two straight games now, it's cost them. But tell me, at down nine, would you have would you have kicked or did you like the idea of going for two? Um, I think if it was me, I would definitely kick the field goal. I understand exactly what Harbaugh was doing. And I, and I get it. I'm not here to question that guy at all. I mean, he's a head coach of an NFL organization, you know, called the Baltimore Ravens, which is the most first-class organization in the history of the NFL. Um, thanks to Steve Bashadi and company, Dick Cash. Appreciate you guys. I think Harbaugh, he, like I said, my, 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 my whole philosophy when it comes to football is always attack. You know, I never want to feel like somebody's attacking me. I want to be the aggressor. I don't want to be the guy feeling like the victim at the end of the day. I want to be the guy that's going after your butt, you know, every single play. So I, I'm not mad at him being aggressive to go get for the two point version conversion. I think when you got a kicker to, like Tucker, you always take the extra point. You know, you got time to die at the end if you die at the end. But you take the extra point right now. It's easy. It's quick. And you you don't go for two points if you don't trust the guys that you have. Obviously, he trusts his players. You know, he trusts the guys. And that's like I told you the last time, boy, at the end of the day, you want the coach that trusts you. Hey, coach, give us a shot, bro. Like, you, you believe in us. We believe in you. You know, the crazy part is just like, you know, whether it's announcers that's going to question the call, whether it's fans that's going to question the call, whether it's other coaches on the staff that's going to question the call, whether it's players on the staff that's going to question the call, you're always going to be have some people that say, I love it. And then you're going to have some people that say, I hate it. It was a horrible call. It was a, you know, who cares? At the end of the day, it's freaking football. It's a game. You're playing chess. You know, he, he made the move. Was it a great move? Who who knows? You know, I, to me, I felt like at the end of the day, we lost the game by two points. If we'd kicked the field goal, we'd have lost the game by one. All right. If we if if, if we if we'd got the two point conversion, it would have been a tie game. So I mean, you just you you look at it, you you play your cards, you juggle it up however you want to juggle it. At the end of the day, you know we was in position to win, and and, and we have to make plays as players. You call the play. I don't care if you like the play or not you execute the freaking play. And it's been plays we in the huddle and, and, and the quarterback come in and he'll call the play. And you be like, oh, why did he call this freaking? And the whole huddle size, like, really? Third down is short and this the freaking play that you're going to call? Everybody know we're going to run this play. And we know we're going to run this play. But <clears throat> it's, the, it's, that cardinal, it's that cardinal rule. You know, they know what you're doing. We know what we're doing. Stop us, you know? Like you've even seen players come up to the line, like Chad Johnson. He'll come up to the line, and say, "I'm about to run a plan on a slant on this play. Stop me!" And you got to stop him, right? You know. So if you don't stop him, now he got bragging rights for the rest of the year. You knew exactly what he was running. He even told you where he was running, and you still couldn't stop him. You know. So I mean, that's the game of, that we play. You know, it's a it's a high risk. It's every single play is a freaking gamble, but it's designed and well designed and well thought out and well prepared. We've, we've been blessed enough, even with all the bad injuries, to be in tight situations, you know, every single week with a chance to win. You know, just be happy that we got a chance to win and we are still contending and competing week in and week out with 30 plus injuries. Oh, it's okay? true. And we lost and we lost our quarterback this week. All true. No, and I will say John Harbaugh, no hesitation to make that call to go for two. He owns his decisions and, and he always yeah. will and he will be aggressive. And and he had no qualms whatsoever about it. Uh, when you say, well, if, if he kicks it, they lose by one. If he if he had made it, what I would contend is I'm, we don't know what would have happened. It's hard to it's hard to say because who knows how if, if let's say they made the two point play. And now they're down seven. We don't know what happens down the stretch. I don't think Cleveland's playing as soft on defense as giving up eight, 10 yards in the middle of the field every time, knowing they've got the Ravens need two scores. And, the, and then the Browns, of course, 
make an absolute train wreck of the onside kick. I mean, the Raven, to their credit, the Ravens executed, but I don't know what the Browns were thinking letting that ball bounce off him. So it was it was a wild finish, but I disagreed with the decision to go for two. I understand it. Uh, John Harbaugh owned it completely, and he, he won't hesitate to do it. But as I said, now this is two straight games where the Ravens and Greg Roman have a two-point play. They make the call. They run the play. And they don't get it. And so it comes down there to executing the play. As you said, in the end, the players have to make the plays and, and they didn't get it. And this one, uh, this one, it didn't really look like a great play. It never really had a chance, unlike the one at Pittsburgh. But maybe the bigger issue is that the Ravens now two weeks in a row have needed a two-point play and haven't gotten it. Looking ahead this week, Daniel Wilcox Green Bay comes to town. Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, who already has 1,200 receiving yards Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, it's a really good offense. It's a top 10 defense. Lamar Jackson may or may not play. What do the Ravens need to do here against the Packers? They need to win, Bo. They need to win. (laughs) It's real simple. They need to win. Um, I think Lamar doesn't play. You know, you you don't play Lamar. You make sure that your quarterback comes back healthy, and he needs to be 100% when he steps on the field. I mean, he's he's such a dynamic player. That if you put him back there and he's injured and he can't move and, and escape the pocket and stuff, he's a sitting duck for everybody. So I, I think personally, I, I sit Lamar this week um, and you go out and you try to trump Green, Green Bay. Um, I also feel I, I really believe even with the lack of linemen we have right now, if we spread them out, if we go four wise with a tight end. Right. Keep our, you always got to keep Mark Andrews on the field, no matter what wide receiver package you put on the field. So if you go four wide, start the game in almost a no-huddle offense, and we're scared to do this in the NFL because you don't have the backup like you have in college. Like in college, you got 100 guys on the team. In the NFL, you only got a 53-man roster, right? You know, if you spread them out, you don't think your guys are going to be with, be able to withstand the 60-minute performance of the game. Spread them out wide, go no-huddle pretty much the entire game, up-tempo, fast-paced offense pretty much the entire game. I, I think you wear down the defense. You slow down their blitzing by the, by the second half. They'll be fatigued. They'll be tired. They, they don't have the backup, just like you don't have the backup on offense to continue to rotate your receivers. Your, your, your receivers just have to be able to thug it out. They got to be able to thug it out. They got to be able to withstand the, the, the fatigue that's going to come along with it, right? And there will be some fast three and outs, and the defense got to be ready, you know? And, and I think you just you, – you lay it on the line. Hey, what do we got to lose spread them out, go four wides with a tight end, and then you you try to pick them apart. You take exactly what they give you. If they're in cover three, you run all short routes. You know, if they play cover two, you you attack the middle of the field. You know, if they play cover one, then you 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 go to your best receivers in the one-on-one matchups, right? They go cover zero, you pick them apart one by one, and whoever beats at the line of scrimmage, that's who gets the freaking ball. The quarterback can see it. He got to get the ball out of his hands quick. You mix some screens in there and you make some delayed draws by the quarterback because your quarterback is now your running back. What happens is once those once you spread them out, now those inside guys got to bump out. Those don't mean those those linebackers got to spread out. The outside backers got to spread out. The defensive ends they got to go cover the guys in the slot. So they got to take the DNs off the field and get rid of your clownies, your Garretts. Right? You got to get rid of those guys because now you got to bring in guys that can cover the receivers in the slots. You know, so if they can't cover the receivers in the slots, you got to bring in, you know, safeties, corners, uh, extra guys. And I think if you started the game off like that, you may actually shock people and surprise them. They're like, oh, what the world is going on right now? And we wasn't prepared for this. So you might catch them with the wrong personnel several times and them trying to figure out how to change their defensive scheme and game plan throughout the game. Maybe that's the brainiac way to do this thing. That's coming from Daniel Wilcox, the football guru. 
that's what you got to do. <laughs> Spread the Green Bay practice out. Make their defense run like the wind. You make those big guys run sideline to sideline so they're gassed by the third quarter and they can no longer put on a real good rush for you. And you throw the ball, you pick them apart, you throw the ball all around the field, you get the ball into every receiver hand and you rotate the Prochets in and out of the game and hopefully you get your Sammy Watkins back and your Duvernays and stuff out there and let these guys just go crazy, you know, all game long. And then on the defensive side of the ball, you have to be aggressive. You know, you 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 got to get you got to rattle Aaron Rodgers. You can't just let him sit back there and just have a picnic on you because he will. I mean, he's one of the, the best quarterbacks to ever play this game, and I've seen him do it. You know, year in and year out. If you let him sit back there comfortable, just like Lamar, he will pick you apart. You know, just like any other quarterback in this league will. It's interesting because, I mean, around here, there has been a lot of discussion about the Ravens should go more up-tempo. The Ravens should go more up-tempo. The Ravens should go more up-tempo. I think, honestly, both Lamar Jackson and Tyler Huntley look very comfortable going up-tempo. And Greg Roman has talked about it. He won't tip his hand, but he's talked about the possibility of doing it. You do run the risk, as you mentioned. You run the risk of a couple three and outs. Now the defense is right back on the field saying, wait a minute, we just got off the field. But you also have the chance, as you said, to spread the spread the defense out. It opens up running lanes for your running quarterback, which could also be an advantage. And it's one of those decisions I'll have to make. I agree with you, Daniel Wilcox. If it were me, regardless of Lamar Jackson's health this Sunday, I would honestly hold him out of the game. And if let's say he's not 80%. I want him 100% next week against Cincinnati because let's look at this situation. The Ravens are 8 and 5, the Bengals are 7 and 6, Cleveland 7 and 6, Pittsburgh is 6 6 and 1. This entire division is packed together. Should the Ravens lose to Green Bay, they'll be they would be 8 and 6. They would be at no worse than tied for the division lead with Cincinnati. They play Cincinnati in 2 weeks. If the Ravens were to lose that game, the Bengals have a season sweep over the Ravens. Remember, the Bengals came to uh, Baltimore and crushed the Ravens in October, 41-17. to 17. If it were me, I know every game matters equally. You have 17 games. You're trying to win them all. But frankly, that Bengals game to me matters more than the Packers game. And I want Lamar Jackson fully healthy for the Bengals game. If, if he can go at all, we don't even know if he can go at all yet. But if he can go, I want Lamar Jackson as healthy as he can for that game against Cincinnati in two weeks. All right, well, we will see what happens with the Green Bay Packers this week, and we'll see what kind of team the Ravens are fielding, and frankly, we'll probably see who gets hurt this week, because someone is getting hurt every week, it seems, for the Baltimore Ravens. For Daniel Wilcox, this is Bo Smolka on the Believe in the Ravens podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. 
Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.